0: Welcome back everybody. Praise the Lord. Welcome to another Passion Week uh, radio message here today. I want to talk to you this time. We talked a little bit last uh, in our last session together about Christ's resurrection, which it's really the death, burial, resurrection of Christ. Conquered sin and death. Amen. And uh, with all of its attendant implications most of which we did not have time to go through in our time frame but we touched on a lot of high points and I pray it was a blessing to you today I want to discuss the resurrection glory the resurrection glory of Jesus the day that Jesus rode into Jerusalem amid shouts of praise by the multitudes was a day of high hopes of victory for his disciples and for His followers. Now that's what we call the triumphant entry or Palm Sunday and that was yesterday. Praise God. And uh, then by the end of that week, and there's so much that happened during the, the the final week of Christ's life upon the earth. One year we will sit down and we will do a teaching of all the events that took place during what we refer to as Passion Week. But on Good Friday or Friday this week coming up is the crucifixion of Christ and at that point started out 3 days of darkness, gloominess, sadness for the disciples. Christ was in the grave. But then suddenly it was resurrection morning. Jesus disciples became electrified with the joyous news that they were receiving he is risen, he is risen. And I want to talk about this resurrection, I I want to do my best not to rehash much of what we talked about last time. We did say uh, that the resurrection was never really in doubt after Jesus died on the cross. It wasn't in doubt that he would be raised because God accepted his sacrifice, he was the perfect sacrifice for the sins of the human race. And so the resurrection was actually a guaranteed done deal, but the disciples, of course, did not know that. And they went through that, must have been the longest three days of their lives, as they saw their hopes and dreams dashed. They had left their businesses, they had left their families, they had left everything behind to follow Christ, and they believe in Him. And they are just absolutely stunned and shocked by the fact that he is now gone. Okay, And and so until that great resurrection morning, that very first Easter ever, we have a picture of of highs and lows where the followers of Christ were concerned. I want to read to you this morning from the book of Acts chapter 1. We'll read the first four verses. The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So right there we have a lot of stuff that's been said. Right there. Number one, uh, Jesus, after the resurrection, stayed on the earth approximately 40 days. Now, we actually don't know he was on the earth that whole time. He could have traveled between two worlds. That would be no problem for the Son of God. But for 40 days after his death, burial, and resurrection, he appeared to many people. And one point that I want to make to you today is that the resurrection of Jesus Christ of Nazareth historically is proven with infallible proofs, it's backed up by history, and by many eyewitnesses. And we're going to get into some of that here in just a little bit. Verse 4 says, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me. But you shall receive power. Oh, glory to God. You're going to receive power. This is Pentecostal power. Hallelujah. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And once again, my beloved Christian brethren and sisters, we see exactly here the Christian call. For every believer, the Christian call is to go to the ends of the earth and be witnesses to Jesus. We witness to this dying world the love of Christ when we take action to help the poor, to help the downtrodden and the needy, and to seek justice for the oppressed. We witness of the truth of the scriptures. As to the joy and the love that we have as we live in the same world facing the same problems that everybody else lives in. We are in all things to be His witnesses. This is a mandate for everyone who names the name of Jesus. If you're going to name His blessed holy name, then you should be trying to win people into His kingdom as He commanded There are many places in the New Testament where the command to reach out to others is given. That is the mark, in all honesty, of true love. True love will not hide out. True love wants to get in that body of Jesus, wants to make a difference, wants to show up, wants to be there. True love desires to be a witness unto Him. Hallelujah! So in other words, when people see our lives, they see Jesus in us. None of us are perfect at that because, as we said last time, we are trapped in a human body of flesh that lives in a fallen world. But the Holy Spirit breaks through all of that and can give us a consistent life. I want to talk first of all today about the power, the truth and the power of of the resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus Christ exploded in the camp of his enemies and detractors into false theories. Many said that uh, Jesus didn't really die, he only swooned, he had a fainting spell, it was not Jesus spirit that was resurrected but his body, all of these false Theories came out of it to try to explain away this man, Jesus. And in reality, of course, we know that Jesus physically and spiritually, spiritually, Jesus didn't die. Physically, he died. His spirit did not die. Jesus Christ physically rose from the dead and an empty tomb is the greatest evidence that we have for the resurrection. His neatly folded grave clothes also gave evidence to his resurrection. Jesus left his earthly clothing in a tidy manner, not tossed around the tomb. Also, there's indisputable testimony that witnesses have given. Much of it we have recorded in our Bible, and historically there are other accounts that are not necessarily canon of Scripture, but the accounts are written there in history to the veracity of the resurrection. First of all, an angel witnessed this event. Matthew 28, verses 5 through 8. But the angel answered and said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly, And tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples word. I mean, this just isn't something that you see every day. Amen. The tomb had his body. They went there to care for the body. And the body wasn't there. And there's no way the disciples, even though this is what many people tried to, to spread, was that the, the disciples stole the body. That is not possible. The, the size of the stone that was rolled in place could not even have been moved by the soldiers guarding the tomb. They had to have one of the apparatuses that were used in that day to move that stone. And there was no apparatus there. Just men, Roman soldiers guarding the tomb. An angel witnessed the event. The Roman guards also were witnesses. We keep reading in Matthew 28 11 through 15. Now, while they were going, behold, some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priest all the things that had happened. When they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers, saying, Tell them his disciples came at night and stole him away while we slept. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will appease him and make you secure. So they took the money and did as they were instructed. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. And the phrase this day, of course, means the time of the writing of Matthew's Gospel. Also, there were ten special appearances of the Lord Jesus Christ after his resurrection that are recorded in the New Testament. First of all, Mary Magdalene. Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene. This is the same Mary that he cast out seven devils. You can look at that in Mark chapter 16, verse 9. Then there was another woman in Matthew 28:9. It says this, And as they went to tell his disciples, Behold, Jesus met them, saying, Rejoice! So they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. This was the other woman that was there that day. Thirdly, Simon Peter. Jesus appeared to Simon Peter. In Luke 24, verse 12 and then verse 34, let's read these words. But Peter arose and ran to the tomb, and stooping down he saw the linen cloths lying by themselves, and he departed, marveling to himself at what had happened and in verse 34 it says saying the Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon so sometime between the time that Simon Peter found those grave clothes neatly folded you know that God's a God of order God is a God of neatness God is a God of clean hallelujah I mean, everything that fits into the term abundant life, that's what Jesus represents to each of us. And the Holy Spirit through our lives just constantly teaching and teaching and teaching and changing us and changing us. It's a thrilling life. Hallelujah. I do not regret one iota that I became a Christian 39 years ago. I do not regret for one moment. I'm not missing out on nothing. (laughs) Hallelujah. I don't miss the taste of booze. I don't miss the high of drugs. Hallelujah. I sure don't miss having to look over my shoulder all the time. But praise be to God, because of the precious blood of Jesus and because of the power of the Holy Spirit, I can live a clean life. I can live a holy life. I can live a pure life, hallelujah, unashamed because Jesus is alive and He is not in that tomb. Praise God. Not only did Mary Magdalene and the other woman with her and Simon Peter, but also there were disciples on the road to Emmaus Emmaus, that the Lord appeared to in Luke 24, verses 13 through 19. Now behold... Two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. That's a very great uh, short little film, too. It's on Pure Flicks, and it may be on uh, the one that I have now. It's called Faith Life TV. It might be on there, too. It's The Road to Emmaus. And it's a powerful little movie. I encourage you to watch it during this Passion Week uh, if you have it available to you. Verse 15, So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Hallelujah! But their eyes were restrained so that they, they did not know him. And he said to them, What kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? In other words, Jesus, you know, he just kind of sidles up beside him and walks with them. They don't recognize who he is. And he asked them, what are you guys talking about that's got you so bummed out? And they began to tell the story of the crucifixion to the one who was crucified. Praise God. Verse 18. Then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which happened there in these days? And he said to them, Jesus said to them, what things? So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed, deed and word before God and all the people. And of course you know how the story ends when they go to sit at one of their houses to, and have supper, Jesus revealed himself to them. What rejoicing that must have produced in those two men on the road to Emmaus that day. Also, all the he appeared to all the disciples except Thomas. Let's read in John chapter 20, verses nine, verse 19, and then we'll skip down and read verse 24. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, and that's why we gather on Sundays, When the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. Now in verse 24, Now Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. But later he appears to all the disciples again, including Thomas, John 20, verses 25 through 29. Let's read that together as well. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see... So, in other words, these disciples tell Thomas, We've seen Jesus. Thomas said this, Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe... Oh, beloved, today we don't want to get in that position where our attitude is, I will not believe. Also, in fairness to Thomas, it was a miraculous event such as the world had never seen before, excepting the one thing that puzzles me is that the disciples were there that day, from all accounts that we know of, Probably Thomas was with them the day that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. But there was something working in Thomas that the Lord needed to deal with. Thomas had his doubts. And you know, you and I oftentimes are just like Thomas. We believe, but sometimes we have our doubts. And that's called being human. But it's not something to ignore or leave unaddressed. Jesus will deal with the doubt that Thomas holds inside his heart. And once he does, Thomas will never be the same again. Neither will you and I. The Lord can engineer circumstances that will deal with each one of our specific doubts. And when he does, we will never be the same again. Do you realize that Thomas was martyred in India, and I believe the story is, legend has it, or however you want to say that, uh, they think he was thrust through with spears. Now I'm going to tell you something, and and this has borne witness all throughout history. Men will not die for a lie. Amen. Thomas was thoroughly convinced of the veracity of the resurrection and the veracity of the Christ life Thomas was and so many others who have given their lives for the faith I study the Puritans a lot and so many of them in the the 15, the 1600s were put to death for their faith in Christ a man will not die for a lie Amen. And so as Jesus deals with our hearts, and it's all of us, the the best among us are low in God's eyes and yet so valuable to Him that He sent Christ to die. Nothing's worse than a Christian in arrogance and in pride strutting around saying, I have no doubts. I have no fears. I have no problems. Liar, liar, liar. We are all together at the level ground of the cross. We all live in a fallen world and we face the same things. And as God deals uniquely with each one of our hearts, He frees us to serve Him all the more. Hallelujah to God. He frees us to be of service in His kingdom. There's no competition among real believers. Amen? You know, a lot of times people say they love you and then they ignore everything you're doing and they refuse to acknowledge the accomplishments. And all. That is a false love. It is a love that comes based out of something but not the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah to God. As Christians, we're not in competition. We rejoice with those who rejoice and we weep with those who weep. Glory be to God. Because we're all on The same journey, ladies and gentlemen, and the resurrection glory of Jesus Christ should be radiating from each of us. Hallelujah. Let's keep reading. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and he stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here, and look at my hands. And reach your hand here, and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. Glory to God. Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen, and yet have believed. And that's a part of this passion event of Christ and the 40 days after that's the part that applies so graphically to you and I because with our physical eyes we have never seen Jesus have we? but we have sensed his presence we have felt his presence in us we have seen his miracle working power in our lives blessed are they who have not seen, and yet believe. Also, number seven, seven disciples were beside the Sea of Galilee, and Jesus appeared to them after his resurrection. John 21, verse one, after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples on the Sea of Tiberias. In this way, he showed himself. Also, over 500 disciples at one time, the Lord appeared to in 1 Corinthians 15 6, it says this after that he was seen by over five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to this present, but some have fallen asleep. In other words, most of the eyewitnesses were alive when Luke recorded the book of of or when the when Paul wrote the 1st uh, Corinthian epistle and Luke recorded the book of Acts many of those followers of Christ were still alive and Luke and Paul uh, ironically became very close in the early church in the days of the early church and so 500 disciples at one time also the Lord appeared personally to James 1st Corinthians 15 7 after that he was Seen by James, and then by all the apostles. Tenthly, all the people who were present at his ascension saw him. In Luke 24, 51, Now it came to pass, while he blessed them, that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. Jesus Christ ate and drank with his disciples after his death, burial, and resurrection. He allowed them to touch his hands and feet the disciples heard His voice, that precious voice once again. And they must have been overflowing with great joy. The resurrection proved that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Romans 1 verse 4 And declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. The resurrection assures us that we have an intercessor in heaven praying for us. Romans eight thirty four. But is he who condemns? Who is he that condemns? It is Christ who died, and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. The resurrection assures also our final victory over Satan. Since Jesus rose from the dead, we also will arise from the dead. Let's read John 14, 9. A little while longer, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. 2 Corinthians four fourteen says this. Knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. There is power in this resurrection that has scanned, uh, spanned, S-P-A-N-E-D, from the time of Christ throughout the ages to where we are now here in 2020. Isn't that amazing? The power of God. It reminds me of the fact, you know, when God said in the very beginning, let there be light. Light began to travel at 186,000 miles a second, and it hasn't stopped yet, and the universe is still expanding, and light is still traveling through time. The power of our God, which raised the Lord Jesus Christ from the dead, and He's alive, and because He lives, Oh, glory to God, you and I live also. There is so much power. Jesus became the first fruits of those who slept. First, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 20, But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. In, in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verse 10, we read this. But now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ who has abolished death. What a powerful word right there. Death is abolished. I said this last week. I'll get back to that scripture in just a moment. I mean, I said this in the last session. There is a 100% chance that you won't die, Christian. Oh, your body will die. But you will walk right out of that shell that you live in for the earth life. You'll walk right out of that into eternity and you'll keep on walking with the great God and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ for all of eternity. That's what Jesus has done for us. That's why we celebrate His resurrection because we know He told us, He promised us, I live, and because I live, you shall live also. And we know that if He was raised from the dead, we also shall be raised from the dead. Hallelujah. And one day, our soul and our spirit will be reunited with that body that we have, but the body will be glorified, it will be made new, it will be transformed, amen, and we will walk and rule and reign with Christ for all of eternity. I'm telling you, This is God's benefit package. Come and follow me, Jesus said, and you shall never die. Glory to God. The Bible uses the terminology. We read it three or four times today. They have fallen asleep. The grave, the word for grave, also describes the word for hotel. So here we are. One day, if the rapture doesn't take place first, Our bodies will die, but we're not dead. The child of God upon death of the physical body immediately goes to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, the great Apostle Paul said. The body awaits the resurrection in the hotel, in the grave Hallelujah. And one day our bodies will be raised in immortality. What a great life. I mean, you don't get a benefit package. like I mean, some people think that all the benefit package of the Christian has to do with while we live upon the earth and because we're confined to this planet we don't see that there's something else and so the earth takes up much of our focus but if we can be challenged by the Holy Spirit to look out beyond this realm and see the heavenly realms where we are seated with Christ according to the book of Ephesians then we will begin to understand we will begin to see that Yes, everything God does for me on planet Earth is so very great and powerful and wonderful and I love it and I need it. But the very fact that He saved my soul upon my faith in what He did at the cross, He saved my soul. He's given me the power of the Holy Spirit to live life with. And He's given me eternity to still be alive. Hallelujah! That's the Christian hope. That is our blessed hope. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Let's read this verse again. 2 Timothy 1.10 But now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Let's break that down real quick. Jesus Christ abolished death and He brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Do you realize in the Old Testament times they did not have the revelation of eternity that the New Testament born-again Christian has? I mean, some of the stuff, if you read through Ecclesiastes, for example, I mean, it can get a little morbid because they didn't have a revelation of the afterlife as we have it today. There were things that they believed and there were different people who believed different things about the afterlife. But it it took Jesus Christ coming to the earth and living a sinless life, performing his miracles, giving the world his teachings, etc. And then dying on a cross, being buried in a tomb, And being raised again on the third day. It took Jesus Christ to bring to light. Now we can see it. Now we can comprehend it. Now we can understand life and immortality. And then Jesus passed it on personally to the Apostle Paul. Who gives us this powerful teaching all through the New Testament. And it's a new look into the afterlife. It's the truth look, if you will, into the afterlife. But it's all because of Jesus Christ. He brought it to light. He brought it to where we could comprehend it and understand it. Praise the Lord. Life and immortality. So I'll say it again during this Passion Week. I've already said this a few times. You have a 100% chance, Christian, of never dying. Yes, your body will die. But you will leave that earth suit behind and walk in the eternal realms of glory. Because of His resurrection glory, you will be with Him forever. And that is a powerful, powerful truth. Praise God. This is the truth upon which our Christian faith rests. This is a fact, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that cannot be denied historically, archaeologically, biblically, even scientifically, They cannot deny the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. God has triumphed over all the opposing forces of Satan, Let's read Ephesians chapter 1, verses 19 through 21 as we close. And what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe? O oh God, today help us to see into another realm. According to the working of His mighty power, by which, uh, which He worked in Christ, when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places. We have Christ in heaven interceding for us. Remember I I mentioned that earlier? It's not so much meaning that Jesus prays a whole bunch of specific prayers for us, necessarily. He may very well do some of that. But the actual intercession is His presence. His presence at the right hand of God and the right hand of God represents the hand of power. The hand of power. And so Jesus' very presence, just the fact that He is at the hand of power, the right hand of God, guarantees you and I, who have placed our faith in Him, eternal life. You know, people used to say to me, we, we, we want to hear something else preached besides salvation. But I want to tell you folks, my friends, I want to tell you, salvation is all it is. Now wait a minute. The Greek word for salvation that's most commonly used in your New Testament is the word sozo. And the word sozo means salvation, it means deliverance, it means freedom, it means liberty, it means uh, healing, it means blessing, and there's a whole big list of words that describe the definition of sozo, salvation. Truly, Salvation is all it is. And everything you'll need in the Christian life, including the baptism in the Holy Spirit, will be provided to you once you are born again. You will have the potential to access it. It can be accessed. Uh, Somebody asked me the other day, I'm preparing to do a, a short teaching on the gifts of the Spirit. And somebody asked the other day, So, do I just walk in a gift all the time? No. My question that I put back to them was, do I preach sermons 24-7, 365? Absolutely not. We we don't have the physical strength, energy, or capacity to walk in a gift 24-7. But as we need them, because we're born again, because we're involved in sozo, that God provided through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, because that's the case in my life, I can potentially access it when I need it. And the scriptures say as it pertains to the gifts, actually they're called in the original language, the spirituals. As, as it pertains to those, it's given as the Spirit wills. This is why you've got no business begrudging somebody being used of God. You should be rejoicing. Hey, you should be happy with them. You should let them, show them visibly that you support what God's doing in their life. Not refusing to do so and actually being jealous of the fact that God is using them. Listen, man, I know people like that. I know people that never want to acknowledge the accomplishment of someone else. And when you when you begin to share with them an accomplishment right away, they got to tell you five things they've done. These people are controlled by evil spirits at that point. And they need to get on sozo and get them some deliverance. Amen. Praise the Lord. See What we have to learn in the church world of 2020 and beyond until Jesus returns, we have to learn how the body operates. We are one in Christ. We are in unity in Christ. We are all important in Christ. We are all valuable in Christ. Easter teaches us that. The death, burial, and resurrection of our Savior teaches us that. And so as we begin to flow with God's program, then we begin to have accomplishments in Him. We begin to do exploits in Him. Hallelujah, the Bible says. The way for your candle to burn brightly is not to dim your neighbors or your brothers. The way for your candle... To burn more brightly is to connect with the other candles that are burning. Glory be to God. You may want to write that down. (laughs) Hallelujah to the Lamb of God forever. How do you light a candle when you're at a concert? Somebody gets that first light, and they turn to the person next to them and share their candle. And then that person begins to glow. Oh, hallelujah. It's just a simple little thing that shows us God's desire in the Spirit for His last day's church. Amen, amen, amen. Oh, glory, hallelujah. So Jesus is interceding for us. That's where I left off when I got on that rabbit trail there. Jesus is interceding for us by His very presence guaranteeing us to His Father. Amen. And he's keeping us and he's supplying us with strength and power for these days that we live in. We don't need the same anointing that they had in the 1600s because we're not living that walk. We need a We need a 2020 anointing. And that's what Jesus gives us. Amen. And so he's interceding for us according to the working of his mighty power. In other words, just saying, Father, that's one that I died for. And you know that power that you used when you raised me from the dead? Give them of that power just now. What a, what a beautiful thought. Amen? Let's read this again, Ephesians 1, 19-21. We didn't get all the way through it. Uh, And what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe according to the working of His mighty power which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality, power, might and dominion and every name that's named not only in this age but also in that which is to come. Jesus rules. Jesus is triumphant. And the name of Jesus, the Bible says, is above every other name. Every, Jesus is above the name of cancer. Jesus is above the name of heart disease. Jesus is above the name of poverty. Jesus is above the name of fear. Jesus is above every name. In heaven, in earth, And even under the earth, the scripture tells us, Jesus has the preeminence. He came. Somebody asked, why isn't the gospel all about me? It's enough about me to tell me that God loved me and died for me. Yes, absolutely. I agree with that. The gospel is about you. It's about you receiving Jesus Christ and beginning to praise His name for the rest of your life. The gospel is really about Jesus because He's the one that saw a world that God loved and was separated from God by their sin. And Jesus said, I will go there, Father, and I will die for them. I will pay the price for them. And then He was put in a grave And he went and he stole, if you will. He he wrested away the keys of death, hell, and the grave from the enemy. He rose again on the third day. Hallelujah. And he went into the heavenly holy of holies and applied his blood at the mercy seat. And opened up the way for us. Glory be to God. And that's why he is the preeminent one. He gets the preeminence, not me, not you. Jesus, tread the winepress of Almighty God's wrath for us. And so this Passion Week, as as we see again His death and all of its attendant Things, the the beatings, the scourgings, the crown of thorns, the unfair trial, the betrayal, the enemies of his that had no mercy whatsoever for him. We see his death on the cross, we see his burial in the tomb, and we behold with grateful hearts his resurrection. And we know that we have been justified before God if we have placed our faith in Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And the resurrection was never in doubt because God accepted Jesus' sacrifice. So Christ is no longer remembered just as a great teacher or a miracle worker. He was loved as such but he is remembered as a risen, living Christ, Savior, life-giver, life itself, and Lord of all. We have the fullest and the most irrefutable evidence of his blessed resurrection just simply in the fact that our lives have changed. The veracity of a changed life proves we serve a risen savior and he's alive today and he's coming back very very soon father i praise your name today i thank you so much for what you've done for us none of us deserve it none of us should be standing here today born again and on our way to heaven But because of your great mercy, your loving kindness, your tender mercies, Lord, you elected to save us if we would but believe. And Father, right now I ask for every one of my listeners, I ask that you would strengthen our faith, eliminate and eradicate and demolish our doubts, and strengthen our faith that we can serve you even more in the days, weeks, months, and years to come should Jesus tarry. Lord, anoint us with your Holy Spirit as we believe in your sacrifice for us. Gift us, Lord, with the things you desire us to have. And send us out into a world of darkness to shine brightly As lights of the world, pointing people, not to ourselves, but oh God, to the cross of Christ, where love resides. And I ask you today, these things, in the name of Jesus, and everybody would say, Amen and Amen. Well, Thank you so much for tuning in again today. Uh, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the crowning truth of Christianity. Amen. And the, the cross, the death, burial, and resurrection. And you just need to put all three of those together every time you think about the situation. There isn't one that is more powerful than another. It's The, 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 the redemption of mankind is centered up in and grounded in the death, the burial, and the resurrection. Of Jesus Christ and I just I'm so encouraged when I see uh, the number of people that are coming and listening to these radio broadcasts it blesses my heart I thank you thank you thank you I thank you that you many of you have written and told us about the blessings that God is giving you in your life as a result of the teaching I thank you for that it humbles me to know that you you don't think that you're too good to let us know. You know, I just really appreciate that. And because I let those over me and the Lord know all the time what a blessing they are to my life. And I think we should do that. That's, I mean, we're called here to really love, not just say the words, I love you. And so when, when people that we love is doing things, we show up. Amen, amen, amen. I appreciate you. Happy Resurrection Day, everybody, as we go through this, uh, this Passion Week, each observing the Lord's Passion in our own way. But everybody should be contemplating these things, especially during this time of year. But the resurrection is something that impacts every single day in the life of a Christian. And so, uh, you know, Lord willing... We'll be doing a lot more teaching on the cross, the burial, and the resurrection all throughout the year to just look at how our God loves us. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing that He does. You know, each of us knows what we have done in our life that is undeserving and unworthy, but God loves us anyway. Amen? And because we've received Jesus... I'll say it again one final time for this this week's programs. There's a 100% no death rate for the true child of God in Jesus' name. So today, this is Brother Paxton saying, go with God and He will go with you. And may you walk in His resurrection glory and may you give Him all the glory for what He's doing in your life. God bless you.